Hi guys, welcome to another episode of You Can't Podcast with Kids. I'm joined today by Ash and Greg. How are you, Ash? Yeah, I'm okay, thank you. I'm uh, looking forward to this. Uh, should be a, quite a brief, quick pod, just going through some of the FA Cup games. Um, yeah, and, and things have been going well. Looking forward to the weekend's fixtures. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've, I've been thinking a lot recently about England squads, actually, and like England 11s. Um, and we could talk about that in a future pod. But it's starting to get into my mind, you know, about what the, how the squad's shaping up, a few marginal players, um, you know, whether they're going to get in or not. Um, and, you know, that's all interesting. So... Yeah, that's kind of occupied my mind recently in terms of football. Yeah, we've only got, I think, three months left until Southgate picks his squad, which seems like very, very soon. Greg, how are you doing? Long time no speak on the pod. Yeah, not bad, Arjun. Um, it's all going great, except for the fact that my team has dropped into the bottom three of the championship. But uh, I'll talk about that a bit later. I won't uh, I won't start ranting too early on in the, in the chat. <laughs> so I think we'll start, first of all, talking some, about some of the FA Cup games. Um a few boring games, so my team, Chelsea, obviously scraped to won the win against Barnsley. The less said about that, the better. Um, Man United uh, comfortably won in the end, I guess, 1-0 against West Ham. Um, West Ham didn't offer much, which is why I said it was a comfortable win. Um, just about this game quickly, do you think games in the FA Cup this season should go to extra time, or should they go straight to penalties, Ash? Um, definitely straight to penalties. Um, I don't. The point of extra time... I don't, I don't really see the need for it, to be honest. People just end up cramping up. And we saw a goal in extra time um, in the Man United game. Um, but other than that, you know, it's quite, it's you know relatively rare, I feel. And I don't think it really adds anything. And I just feel everyone's waiting for penalties, just for the thrill of penalties anyway. It just seems like delaying it for no reason. Um, and if, if we do have extra time, I don't think it should be half an hour, because half an hour is quite a long time. I think it should be like 15 minutes. Um, oh, so radical new seven and a half minute half yeah, or just one half of 15. Or just yeah. go straight to penalties, honestly. Um, yeah, I would prefer it to go straight to penalties as well. I just don't you see, see I disagree, actually. congestion. I th- no, I think penalties are... I think extra time is useful. Penalties are, are notoriously a lottery. And they're not really a good measure of which team has played the best throughout the game. And if you're looking at the FA Cup, for some clubs it's a massive achievement in getting far in the Cup. And I think... Um, Post quarterfinal, quarterfinal, semi-final, and final, we should have extra time for penalties. I don't. I think it's a poor measure to go straight to penalties when we in such a influential part of the cup. If if your aim though is to like get lower lower um, league teams further, then going thing removing the extra time, whether extra quality and fitness of a top class team will show out more than in normal time, just because of the amount of time being played. Then you might actually help lower league teams get through if it goes straight to penalties, which is more of a lottery. Just because then, you know, you see the class divide between the dividing class between a Premier League team and a League One team more when um, you're in extra time and the fitness levels really show. Um, whereas if you go straight to penalties, I think you might give a chance more to um, lower league teams. Now, that can be interpreted to be, you know, well, then you're rewarding um, teams that haven't played well or don't have as much quality. But on the other hand, you're just making it a bit more of a kind of even playing field um, and making yeah. You're giving more chance of upsets then, for sure. I agree. I think even even though the five subs in the FA Cup has been a little bit of a leveller, it obviously benefits the bigger teams, as we discussed before, where they can bring on their expensive signings. Um, just briefly about the Barnsley game, um, you know, their, their players, they play a very attractive sort of high-pressing style of football uh, with very young players, but they were noticeably getting tired off about the hour mark. Um, so they, they, they had to bring on their, their sort of young players, and it, it did sort of, benefit Chelsea, the fact that we had five substitutes to bring on. 
Um, in other sort of routine wins, Man City beat Swansea 3-1 away. Um, Swansea have obviously been high-flying in the Championship, um, barely conceding any goals, uh, succumbed to City. Pep Guardiola now has a higher win percentage at Man City than he did at Barcelona and is now and has also managed more games at City than he, and than he has at any other club. Ash, has Pep almost become underappreciated in terms of his impact at City? Do we almost take it for granted? No. Like I just don't. I think he's. I think he's. To be frank, I think he's correctly rated. Like he's mm-hmm. lauded, pundits fawn over him. Like after he won the league, and he and he was like pretending to coach Sterling in front of the cameras. Like people, like people, like drink all of that up. You know, he, he's got. He's <laughs> correctly rated. Like he's been regarded as one of the best managers in the world for um, you know the last over ten years. Um, yeah, he still hasn't got his third European Cup, but that's a that's a story for another day. Um, and so I think he's probably correctly rated, given the amount of money spent, given the quality of players we know he has and the quality of players he inherited. Um, he's performed as well as people can expect, um, and I think you know he's he's been he's been given you know the right amount of credit. I think he's actually been sometimes overappreciated or at least not criticised sufficiently. For example, last season when they notably took their foot off the gas, he wasn't criticised anywhere to the extent that um, other managers in that position have been. And and also, you know, for their frequent failings in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, he get he got some brief scrutiny for that. But then again, people were just like, well, you know, whatever, really, and and they they moved on. And and likewise, you know, his his inability to kind of pick up the same results when Laporte got injured, um, he's got nowhere near as much scrutiny last year for that as Klopp was getting this year, for example. So it might even be the other way around. Who would you say is the most sort of respected manager in the Premier League? For journalists at press conferences, the person who gets has the most sort of rapport with journalists and Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah, that's the one that comes to mind. I also think Sean Dyche uh, comes across quite well in his interviews. Um, just seems like an all-round general nice guy. Greg, yeah, I would say Roy Hodgson, Paul Paisley. I think the only two with three European Cups as well. Yeah, I mean, in terms of in terms of the Premier League, that managers that are most untouchable, I'd say Roy Hodgson. He, he's a manager that you can't hate, even though he failed with England on multiple levels and he's, Liverpool. And and Liverpool. Liverpool. Yeah. He did a great he did a great job with West Brom and a great job with Fulham. He got Fulham, to the yeah. Yeah, UEFA Cup final. Uh, and you know, he's been in the game so long now, he's just a staple of Premier League life and it'd be sad to see him go. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I see what you mean as in retire, not like pass away. <laughs> retire, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean I was gonna I mean Hodgson's like classic, very affable, like people like him. I think Mourinho is, is oh. really un- Mourinho? I don't know. Like he used to be fairly untouchable, but now I think people just nibble at him and they know they'll get a response. So, you know, it's because he manages Tottenham, not- mate. Yeah, I think. Cole- I think with Mourinho, the mask has slipped notably, like in the last four or five years, more so than ever. Yeah, I'm um, not lie to you and say that Klopp is hated by the media. He's he's fairly untouchable. They do fawn over him a decent amount as well. Yeah, I mean, we were also debating Klopp sort of. I'd say slightly aggy behaviour in press conferences recently, or at least like over the last month. Um, obviously, it got revealed, like, sadly, his mother had succumbed to coronavirus and had passed away, I think, a month ago, um, yeah. which, you know, yes, we can criticise how he sort of got, you know, aggressive or whatever, but there is a human element to this. And obviously, like, it would be churlish, churlish of us to, like, constantly moan about it. You know, you, you don't know what it's like behind the scenes for him, and I'm sure yeah. Ashley you can relate to him. Yeah, um, I mean, Simon, Hughes, Simon Hughes has written an article in The Athletic about, you know, what Klopp's been through in the last month. Um, like He couldn't go to Germany to his yeah. mum's funeral. He she, she passed away about a month ago from now. So, like, today is 18th. Uh, today is the um, 12th of Feb. And I think she passed away mid-January. 
So um, obviously that that's a pretty brutal part of anyone's life, really, when you lose one of your parents. And my just heart goes out to him. Um, and, you know, he's not having a good time at work either with the way Liverpool are, Liverpool are playing. So I assume he's had a, he's had a very difficult um difficult couple of months um but yeah no no um obviously there are some very classy tweets going out from man united and others as well um so um i i think he he shouldn't be criticized overly for being quite emotional yeah i mean i know we're having this debate as well about like okay but this behavior sort of goes back longer than this it goes back to the start of this season to even the end of last season what do you make of that debate? Because it's this altogether separate debate about him sort of getting, I would say, rattled by certain interviewers about Liverpool's perhaps underperformances going back like towards the start of the season. I think he's always been a really poor loser and he gets really aggy whenever we lose. But it's just become more of a thing now because for three years we didn't lose, really. Uh, like in the league over two years, I think we lost like five times, <laughs> four times. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, what? You never really got to see. I mean, last year, what? We, we won, like, over 30 league games or whatever we did. And what? So, so like, you're not really going to see him ever be really upset. I think if you look back to when we were a poorer team four years ago and we lost more regularly to go to some of those press conferences, they're just the same as they are now. Just we, you never really saw him like that the last three years because we never really lost. Yeah, I'd say with Klopp, like, immediately when he came to Liverpool and even just at top level football with Dortmund and Mites before, he was seen as this, like, incredibly charismatic fella um you know he charmed journalists um you know he constantly went on charm offenses with them and his sort of effervescent personality made people not not want to hate him um and i think yeah okay as sort of the seasons go by he is prone to get more aggressive and more sort of aggy but you know that's just natural i guess not everyone can be a charmer forever um in terms of the most notable FA Cup game from this midweek, Everton 5, Spurs 4, the most game, most goals in FA Cup flight, FA Cup match between top flight teams in over six decades. Um, we've had like a few notable games in the League Cup. So we had Liverpool 5, Arsenal 5, Chelsea 5, United 4 from a couple of years ago. Um, but this is the most goals in FA Cup game between Premier League teams. Um, obviously, it's a great result for Everton. Um, Spurs sort of succumbs. Um, to their attacking style. I love how, you know, Ancelotti and Mourinho, who are sort of arch pragmatists, um, notably defensive coaches, saw their teams, you know, score nine goals between them. Greg, what do you think, what does this mean for Spurs in season? Obviously, they're in the final of the Carabao Cup, but their FA Cup run would have been good for them as well. Well, I think for Spurs, the main priority has got to be winning a trophy at some point. And the Carabao Cup gives them the perfect opportunity to do that. It's only the League Cup. And I know for a club of Tottenham stature, they want more than the League Cup, but it's a good first. It's a good first trophy to win. And when Mourinho first came to England, he used the League Cup as the basis to go on to win the rest of his trophies. And it's been what 12, 13 years since the last one, the League Cup, since the last one, a trophy, shall I say? Mm. And so, for their top players, for the likes of Harry Kane, for the likes of Lloris, Mora, etc., players who who have been there for some time now and were hungry for a cup, for a trophy, or for some kind of um, celebration. I think it's going to be so important for them going forward. And Man City have won the League Cup four times the last five years now. I think Mm -hmm. it's time for a change. And I'm looking forward to this final. I think it's a perfectly matched final, um, if I might say. Although um, Man City's subsequent form since uh, since they beat Man United in the semis has been exponential growth. And I think by the time it comes around in April now, which is a very unusual time to have the League Cup, it's very late in the season. 
I think by then the gulf between Man City and Tottenham would have um, would have widened a bit more. Yeah, I think they they postponed the final because they wanted like fans in the stadiums, which is looking less and less likely anyway. But Ash, what does this mean for in terms of Harry Kane? Let's let's talk about Harry Kane at Spurs, his legacy at Spurs, yeah, not yeah. won a trophy, top scorer of the club, all time top scorer, uh, isn't he? Or second top scorer? He's up. It's either it's him or Jimmy Greaves. But yeah, what does it mean for him? He you know he's if he only wins the League Cup with Spurs if they win it this year, does he have a sort of untouchable legacy at Spurs? Well, I mean, so Harry Kane is third mm-hmm. on 156, Bobby Smith 176, and Jimmy Greaves 220. Um, I think that um, if if they manage to secure the League Cup, um, obviously it's, it's better than nothing. But again, I mean, I, I don't really see why Kane would want to stay beyond... Uh, he, he, he deserves to be in a team that's in the Champions League. And I don't think Spurs will be. And are regularly challenging for the title, and I don't know. I don't think slash know whether Spurs will be next year. They aren't this year. So, in that vein, I mean, he's he's entering his prime, the last bit of his prime, even. Um, so he really needs to, I think, go to a really really top team, or or at least be completely secure that Spurs are going to be able to give him the opportunity to win the biggest trophies. Like one League Cup is better than nothing. But I saw an interview with him with Thierry Henry about. 2017 and he said that if he hadn't won a big trophy in the next three years that being Premier League, FA Cup Champions League, he literally only mentioned those three, then he'll be very disappointed and it's four years later and he's not won any and he's got the chance of winning one trophy which is none of those three like Spurs aren't going to win the Champions League I don't think um, they're not going to win the Premier League and well, I mean they can't, they're, but they're, they're in the Europa League yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so maybe they'll win the Europa League I don't know, but I don't. I don't think so because there are some good teams in in that this year. So, yeah. so it depends. I mean, the thing is, if he goes, then what does that mean for everyone else? If he knows that, like, there's a club that just needs a a, a centre forward just to slot in, and then they're pretty much on the, on on really able to win a league, then then that might be an attractive proposition. But then I don't know if he wants to leave England. I don't know if he wants to. You know, because it would be profoundly, it would be classic Spurs for him to go to Man United specifically. Um, and they could do well with him. If you have like Martial, Rashford and Kane, that's a very good, that's a very good, that's a very good front three. So I think Kane there, would be a very good very replacement very for Aguero, actually. I think yeah, he, now that Aguero is getting yeah. towards retirement, I think it'd be a perfect replacement. And Man City are notoriously light going forward. Gabriel Jesus is misfiring somewhat. Aguero yeah. is getting old now. He's got maybe one, two seasons tops left in him. And Man City are the club that can actually afford to bring a player like Harry Kane in. That's, of course, um, if Tottenham are willing to sell. And that really comes down to Harry Kane. We know he's Tottenham through and through. But if he really wants the chance at a trophy... As a child, yeah. But I get, you, I get your point. He's a, he's a Spurs sort of you know, homegrown player. Yeah, I mean, but, the thing is, again, like, I can see Man City now that Greg said it. I didn't think of them, but I can see that. And that, I don't like that, obviously, because I think that would win everything if they had him. Because with Foden, with Foden and Bernardo and De Bruyne and Gundogan, you know, that's a formidable team. And But can I see him going to City? I don't know. Would he do that to Spurs? I don't know. He might do like this, the, the classic loyal thing of going to a different league. And I can see him maybe going to Barca. Yeah, I think he would suit Barcelona's style of play um, because he is quite, you know, good with the ball at his feet. He's yeah. like a playmaking striker, essentially, like Benzema is. But I mean, in terms of his 
personal accolades, he's obviously won the, the Golden Boot a few times. He was top scorer at the World Cup. But then if you look at his goals in the World Cup, I mean, he's scoring against Tunisia and Panama. And some of his goals like tap-ins and like five yards. I mean, and penalties as well. They weren't like, it wasn't like an excellent World Cup in terms of no, the goals no. he scored, I mean, right? It was, just, mm-hmm. it was emblematic of England's overall performance. Like we beat teams that were relatively weak. And when we faced a relatively decent team, we lost. Um, yeah, impressive I mean, on paper, it. but not much substance to it. Which is yeah, essentially our World Cup as a whole. Yeah, and and I mean, I I can see him. I mean, Gary Lineker went to Barcelona, and I can see him kind of doing that. Kane, um, yeah, and and I think he'd do well there. And I think they they'd win. They're always in a shout to win La Liga. They've won it like what eight of the last ten years or something. So so he's always in a chance there, and he'd win trophies there. He'd definitely have a chance with the Copa del Rey, Spanish Super Cup, all that. So if trophies are what he's looking for, that could be a place. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's good to see English players going abroad. Tomori, um, Sancho, well, yeah, Trippier as well. Have you um, got a little bit Tomori leaving it? No, I haven't, especially the fact that he's doing really well at Milan. Like he's, he's playing regularly and playing well. Um, Let's not forget Jude Bellingham, Bellingham going to, going to Dortmund. Yeah, although, although, actually, there is rumours that uh, he's unsettled there and might be returning back to, uh, to England. Really? Because, yeah. obviously, I'm not saying I watch Dortmund regularly, but... From what I saw of him, I, I, I thought he was playing fairly regularly with like him and Rayner in midfield. But I guess, yeah. But that could if, be if, Sancho leaves, if Sancho leaves and comes back, I can see Bellingham joining him. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking now for Sancho, Kane, Rashford, front three for United and getting very jealous on paper. Um, you know, in terms of other FA Cup games, Southampton beat Wolves, which is obviously a good sort of recovery for them after the 9-0. The second I know. Um, Sheffield United beat Bristol City. Burnley beat Bournemouth. Leicester beat Brighton. Um, the FA Cup draw uh, took place just before the Chelsea Barnsley game. Um, I don't actually have it written down, but I'm just going off the top of my head. Everton playing Man City. Chelsea are playing Sheffield United at home. Leicester playing United. And Bournemouth are playing Southampton, I think. Um, that'll be an interesting draw. Um, as a Chelsea fan, very happy that we got Sheffield United, possibly the easiest team on paper. Um, City playing away at Everton and United playing away at Leicester. I mean, that's basically um, our biggest competitors of the cup, knocking each other out. So, um, you know, that will be good. Ash, are you much interested? I, we asked Callum this the other day. Are you interested in the FA Cup now that Liverpool are out of it? Um, yeah, relatively. I mean, I'd, I'd watch Everton, Man City. I'd watch, you know, just, just because the two teams playing. But do I think the FA Cup means as much as it used to? Definitely not. Um, and if there's a chance between watching that and Syria, I'd probably watch Syria. Fair enough. Um, let's move on to the Championship. We haven't really covered the Championship all that much, to be honest, in this pod. It's obviously a very exciting league, um, but perhaps not so much for you, Greg, because Birmingham are, are basically struggling near the bottom of the Premier of, of the league. I think they're 22nd or even 23rd uh, currently. Just how bad are you doing, Greg? Well, after the midweek games, we've dropped into 23rd place. Um, Give a diagnosis point. of the issues. <laughs> we are really bad. Issues. And don't be, don't, be, don't be scared to call people out. Yeah, don't hold uh, that. Okay, I'll start by firstly giving a, a, Brent, a general review of the Championship. There's a couple of things to notice. First of all, I think the gap between the Premier League and the Championship now has become um, just as big as the gap between the Championship and League One. The salaries, the average salaries between those divisions speaks wonders. And also the teams that we're seeing in the top and bottom of those divisions. So um, Norwich, Watford, Bournemouth, who got relegated last season... They're up there. They're performing admirably in the Championship, although they struggled in the Premier League all season. And the teams that got promoted from League One to the Championship last year, they're struggling at the bottom of the table. Um, it's not. It's not fun to watch that. I like to see. I like to see variation in the leagues. 
Um, but for, for my team, Birmingham, it's looking quite grim. And we're at the bottom of the table because we have a manager that constantly performs negative tactics. Defend, defend, defend. Absolute no attacking football whatsoever. They can't pass a ball. This five is Aitor Karanka. Aitor Karanka, yeah. They can't pass a ball five yards to a player wearing the same coloured shirt as them. Right, Greg. But the thing is, like, then he's got he's got good pedigree, though. Like, he's managed elsewhere. He's not a joker. I think, yeah, you're right. I think the problem with Blues is it's just cursed. I, 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 there's, there's an old adage, right, that when, when Birmingham City built St Andrews, which is their stadium, they built it on the site of a gypsy encampment. And when, when the gypsy uh, encampment was disbanded and, and sent away so the ground could be built, um, rumour goes that the gypsies uh, uh, cast a spell or cast a curse on the ground, which is, which is why Birmingham apparently over the last, well, over their entire history really have performed pretty poorly. But I think on a more factual analysis, we've had something like eight managers in five years now. And every single one has been poor in some respects. There's been poor performances. And the play... The pl- what about Gary? He was good. You shouldn't have sacked him. Gary Monk from Birmingham. Gary Rowett or Gary, Gary Monk? Oh, well, we had two... The two Garys were good. Gary Rowett and Gary Monk was, were great players because they, I think they understood our players and they performed to our strengths, which is most definitely not attacking football. Um, but, Did uh, Gary Rowett get sacked when you were, like, in the top half, like, yeah. top ten for Zola, which was, like, really weird at the time? And then Zola, like, almost got you relegated. Yeah. Do you know, I remember that story. The day before Rowett got sacked, I was with my dad watching Birmingham play against Ipswich, and we won 2-1. And that win took us up to sixth place or seventh place. We were basically in the playoffs or just outside because of goal difference. And everything was looking great. Came back home from school, <laughs> turned on the news, and I found that. <laughs> I found that Gary Rowett had been randomly sacked. It's the, kind of, it's the kind of sacking that you'd never expect in football. It was a bit of a strange one. We brought Zola in, and immediately, um, I was at the follow-up game, actually, the, Zola's first game, and we lost that one. And then we ended up winning two in 24 and you're right, we nearly got relegated, so it was a bit of a disaster. I th- and I think, actually, the problem with, with, with a trouble like Birmingham is when we've tried to incorporate Italian uh, or Spanish uh, free-flowing football, it just hasn't worked. We just don't have the players to play attacking football. And at the same time, our defence has more holes than Swiss cheese. And I think we just need a, a classic, sort of uh, classic, gruff, Sean Dyche kind of English manager to really galvanise the players and, and instil some belief. <laughs> I mean, I remember I remember listening to some podcast a few years ago uh, with with like Jonathan Wilson on it, and obviously he's like a Sunderland fan, and he was asked when Sunderland win the Premier League, would would he take a chance to you know would would he take being relegated and a chance to rebuild in the Championship? He said yes, and obviously they got relegated from the Championship the next season. <laughs> I'm asking you a similar question: Would you take relegation to League One and a chance to rebuild there for a season or two? Or do you think it would then it would just be a downward trend and you'd, you wouldn't come back up? Well, that's a very good question. Relegation can go one of two ways. You can either do a Wolves and get relegated, win League One by an absolute stonking uh, uh, lead, and then eventually get into the Championship, rebuild, and become a very uh, powerful Premier League force. Or you can go the way of teams like Portsmouth, who eventually get relegated. Sunderland. relegated Sunderland. Well, Portsmouth are even worse because they got relegated to League Two. And they are really struggling to... Blackpool as well. Blackpool. Those kind of teams, once they're down there, it's so hard to get out of those divisions. The championship's a hard division to get out of. Um, and League One and League Two is even harder. It's, it's so, there's such competition down there. 
Um, but answering your question, would I like Birmingham to be relegated and for us to rebuild? No, because I think we have a perfectly adequate squad right now. We have we have players that have actually played at World Cups. We have ca- players with international caps for Spain, Italy, etc. And so it baffles me, totally baffles me, why the team that we've got is performing so poorly. Um, I think if we got relegated, all that would happen is our best players would end up going to other teams in the Championship, maybe even the Premier League. Um and we'll be stuck in League One for, for many a season to come. I would not like watching League One football. Nothing against League One teams. Uh, and I, I'm not in some way saying that League One football is not deserving of, uh, of, of attention. But personally, if I saw my team drop into League One, I would totally lose all interest. <laughs> Speaking of League One, I just want to give a shout out to AFC Wimbledon. We have a friend of the pod, Callum Brody, who's obviously a big Wimbledon fan. They sacked their manager uh, two weeks ago, Glenn Hodges, after a terrible run of form that coincided with them losing 2-0 against MK Dons. Um, they're still appointing a manager, so you know that could be interesting. I, th- I think I know Alan Pardew was in the running for the Wimbledon job, but he categorically ruled it out. Um, but yeah, yet to appoint a manager. <laughs> Instantly. Also, whilst you speak about Birmingham, I just I just remembered that Harry Redknapp took charge of Birmingham a few years ago. How was that for you? Again, I can remember that very clearly. I remember waking up one morning and my dad coming in and saying, "We've got Harry Redknapp." I thought, no, I can't, I can't be right. Harry Redknapp's come to us. And it was true. And he did a good job. He saved us from relegation. He won two out of his last three and eventually kept us up on, on the final game of the season. And he's a right character. He was someone who would like to have him around the club. Because firstly, the transfer windows were, were... I think he lives in Sandbanks in Poole. And he drove up every day to Birmingham and drove back every day. Six yeah, you're right. You're right yeah. he, he drove the entire distance to the training facilities in Birmingham every day. Yeah, you're right. Um, I don't know how he managed that. That is that is quite some toll on a, on a person his age who ordinarily should be retired, actually. But um, yeah, it was a great, it was a fun time having Harry there. Uh, the transfer windows were, were great. We had some really strange rumours that, that season. Nico Crancher, Peter Crouch, Jermaine Defoe. You're not wrong, actually. We had those, the usual rumours, but we also had rumours of Jack Wilshire, Alex Song, and I thought, wow. And we ended up getting some has-beens from Brentford instead. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Die- uh, no, not Diego Hotter. Hotter. We, we got Hotter and Harley Dean, who, by the way, can't defend to save his life. But I think, all in all, Harry Redknapp's tenure as Birmingham manager was was has more bad than good. He, his transfer signings were were poor. He ended up spending so much money that we incurred a financial fair play penalty, which nearly relegated us the f- the following season. Um, so yeah, I just want to move on now and, and get a half decent manager who can stabilise the boat. Just want a uh, brief word on Brentford. Uh, they're like my second team, basically. They've, they went top of the championship with a win at, at Reading. Um, first time they've been top of the championship since since their first season back in 2014. Um, they're a remarkable team because obviously they, they you know, year upon year, they sell their best players. They, they sell more pay. They've got Ollie Watkins. They sell Watkins to Villa. They've got Ivan Toni, who has scored 22 goals a season, nine assists. Um, he's on track to break the championship uh, goals and assists combined record. Um, so you know, is all, all already like being talked about being like having what like one of the best championship seasons of all time, uh, without his goals and sort of match winning contributions. Brentford actually being the relegation zone, uh, which says a lot about how important he is. Um, but yeah, I, I hope to see Brentford actually finally get promoted after a few years of just never quite managing it. It'll be interesting to see them there with their new stadium. I would as like well. to see that they're a very well-run club. They've just built a new stadium. Their fans are have got a very strong fan base, very loyal, um, and like I said. The great thing about Brentford is they're a bit like the cha- they're a bit like Southampton at the Championship. They sell their best players, but they keep coming back stronger. And for a team like Brentford, who you don't associate with international players, 
their scouting network is extensive all across Europe. And if you look yep. at their team, it's a very multiracial team. And they've got phenomenal players from all across Europe. And that really is the basis for their success. They've got a great scouting network and they've got good facilities, good coaches. And they've got a stable manager as well. Um, and I really do hope that they get promoted this season. It was so painful to watch them get beat to Fulham, who, let's be honest, haven't been a worthy <laughs> Premier League team. I'd swap Brentford and preferably Nottingham Forest for Fulham and West Brom any day. Yeah, Nottingham Forest are like languishing in the bottom of Saturday. Come up just for the culture. Yeah, I mean, I take Brentford. I take Swansea. I don't mind Swansea for years of them being away. I would hate to see the likes of Watford, Norwich, and Bournemouth come up because, for obvious reasons, I wouldn't mind seeing a team like Bristol City come up. Just sort of biggish teams that haven't been in the Premier League at all for a while. Um, Forest, like Forest, yeah. Like I, I want Birmingham to do well, I guess, but I want Forest to. To go to honestly just get promoted, I think it would be really good, and they're, they're just such a massive club as well. I think now that Ipswich finally went down for the championship like two years ago, I think Forest have like the record for like are now the longest serving championship team in terms of consecutive seasons in there. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. I think you're right. I think Forest are the longest serving ones. Derby have been there since 2008 when they got relegated. I think we've been there since 2011. Forest have been there since Clough was relegated with them in the 90s, right? I think. No, I think I think they're in League One in the mid two thousands. But like since then, they got they've just like constantly been in the championship. They're a strange team a as mad. well. Yeah, they really should be much higher up in the championship. But for for whatever reasons, they've been struggling. I, again, I don't understand what's wrong with them as a club. But yeah, um, that is the championship. Brentford are at the top, Birmingham near the bottom. Let's hope that they stay in the championship for Greg's sake come the end of the season. Uh, moving on now to some sort of miscellaneous news. We had the Club, Club World Cup final last night. Bayern Munich uh, clinched the sixth tuple. Uh, only the second ever team to do that after Barcelona under Pep. I think that says a lot about how, um, how like, the, there's like, you know, a growth of club competitions, basically, for teams. Um, because like in the 70s, 80s, 90s, there never used to be so many competitions that allowed you to win six um, trophies in a season. But yeah, impressive from them. Uh, winning 1-0 against Mexican side Tigres. Uh, I can't say I watched this match, to be honest. Did any of you guys catch any uh, of it? I didn't get around to it, but I would say that I'm a massively, I'm kind of massively enthused by the way Bayern play. I like it. Um, and I thought that Bundesliga would end up being closer than it has been, which is slightly disappointing, but you can't begrudge them anything. Probably the best European team since um, Jupp Hanker's team and, def- and maybe even since Pep's Barcelona team. Um, I, mean, yeah. I, I, but, I would personally but- say that the Real Madrid type the Real Madrid team that won three in a row, Champions League in a row, is slightly better purely because of longevity. It could be longevity, but I think that might come down to one person, honestly, look at, looking at how <laughs> Zidane's managing now. Um, mm. That's what I mean about team, because that was just Ronaldo, wasn't it? Um, mm. I don't know. It's a, it's a debate you can have. And I think the Mourinho inter-team is massively underrated in the last 20 years. Yeah, On enough. the issue of the Club World Cup, if I might add, actually, I struggle to see its relevance going forward. It's been um, about nine, ten years. The last time a non-European club won the Club World Cup was in 2012. Yeah. Um, it's almost, <laughs> it's be- almost a four Beating Chelsea. <laughs> Sorry to bring that up. It's, it's, almost, it's almost a foregone conclusion which teams go to end up winning it. Although some games have been close in the last few years. Um, I know that some South American clubs treat it almost as importantly as, as domestic cups, etc. But for me, it's it's not something that's a highlight of the season. Yeah, I remember a few years ago, I think it was like a Japanese team, I think like Kashima Antlers, who 
when like one nil up against Real Madrid in the final, and they were, like Real Madrid just about managed to win it in like the last minutes of the game. But yeah, the last team, the last non-European team to win it was Corinthians, who beat Chelsea in twenty twelve. Um, but I guess that's sort of karma for Chelsea, you know, not really deserving to be there anyway. Um, I think this was like meant to be the last one ever because they're going to move to like a summer one with like more teams from each continent, like rewarding the like previous four winners of the Champions League and the Europa League or something like that. But I don't know whether that's still going ahead. Mm. Um, Juventus uh, beat Inter on aggregate um, to play Atalanta in the final of the Coppa Italia, which will be, uh, I think, in two months. That'll be an interesting final. Uh, Atalanta, obviously, such an impressive team, small team who've done so well recently in the last couple of years. Uh, and Juventus are Juventus. They sort of, to be honest, in the last month or two, they look pretty formidable in uh, Italy, um, both in the league and, and in the cup competitions. So that'll be an interesting one. Um, right, this this weekend, we've got a few Premier League games that are quite notable. Leicester against Liverpool tomorrow, Ash. Um, Fabinho is now out of this game, a small muscle injury. Um, how do you think you'll do away to Leicester? And I want to point out that if you draw this game, if you if you don't win this game and Chelsea beat Newcastle, we'll go in the top four. Yeah, I I hadn't said they were going to lose this game like straight up um, away as well. Um, Leicester they've had a bad injury, um, a lot a, a few bad injuries, um, and uh, what's his name just got a tore ACL as well. James Justin. Yeah, Justin. Yeah, he's Justin. Played, he's played really well this season as well. So that that'll be a bit of a blow for them, but. Um, I think they'll still overcome us. I think Vardy running in behind whoever is playing at the back, whether it's Kabak, whether it's Henderson, whether it's Davies, whether it's Phillips, um, will cause trouble. I think Mallet Madison's fit, um, so he should be he should be on the ball as well. I, I can't see Liverpool winning this game at all, um, especially given Fabinho's injury. Um, the the front three um, I think are back for this. I think Mane is more of a debate, but I think he's back. And then you've got. And one thing on Mane, by the way, I think he went from having no league defeat to Anfield in five years to, I think, having three now. So um, there you go. Um, I think Van Dijk's our only big starting player who hasn't had any defeats at Anfield at all in his career. That's um, a remarkable start. Yeah. But it also reminds me of, sorry, just the stuff I wanted to bring up earlier, I forgot to, which is that uh, Hansi Flick has now won more, won more trophies than he has lost games for Bayern Munich, six to five, which is quite incredible. There you go. Um, and I think we'll definitely lose this game against Leicester just because I think they have, they'll have too much for us. I think Harvey Barnes is a really good player. I think he'll get in behind. Liverpool, I don't think, are playing incisively enough in midfield. They're not getting the ball ball out to the full-backs um, as much as they should. They're not playing as directly as they used to. And I don't know whether that's because of Thiago and they want to play slower, more possession-based football or what. But whatever the cause is, that's the outcome. And it means that teams can get at us and they can lie in a low block and I think Leicester will lie in a low block. We won't be able to get through it. And then they'll attack us on the break um, with, with Madison and, and, and Vardy. And, and they'll, they'll secure the result. I mean, do you see it differently, Greg? Um, not really. I know Liverpool have been struggling recently. And they've been missing some key players. But, do you know, I, I think actually that this is perhaps the hardest part of Klopp's career. When he first joined Liverpool, he had the pressure of you know, maintaining a top four position. And then that pressure switched to performing well in the Champions League, which he did, lost in the final to start off with. Then the following season, the pressure was, can we go ahead and win the win the Champions League, which he did. Following season after that, the question was, can we go and win the Premier League, which he did. Um, 
And so really, Klopp now, once you're at the top, there's only one way to go. And Klopp has got to galvanise his players and, and ultimately ensure. I think top four for Liverpool this season is, the, as he said, the ultimate goal. I think they've lost too much ground now. Too many key players are out. They've lost too much ground to, to make up on Man City. But top four would be a good achievement for Liverpool. Keep themselves in the Champions League. Keep themselves relevant in European football. Um, and ultimately, perhaps just write this season off and, and start again. Would it be a disaster for you, Ash, if you weren't to make the top four? Um, do you think it would have any sort of impact on certain players or even the manager potentially leaving? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, we, we struggled to recruit, certainly, and we desperately do need to recruit, and we struggled to do that. I then I'll see people like Wan Adam, who we were trying to get to stay, would, would certainly leave. Um, and and you just don't like you don't want Virgil van Dijk to play in the Europa League when he's like 29, but he should be playing in the Champions League at that age. Um, and it would just be. Do massive. you think it'll have an impact on Mane, Son, and Salah? Yeah, like sorry, Mane, Salah, and Firmino. Yeah, why would they be? It'd be a disaster for them in, at age 29 to be playing in the Europa League. To be frank, when even in their very first season at Liverpool, they're playing in the Champions League. Because in 2016-17, Mane, who was there by himself with Coutinho, got us into the Champions League, and then, and then you know with Firmino, and then Salah joined after. So Salah's never been at Liverpool when they're not been in the Champions League. So I think that would be a massive disaster if we didn't make the top four. Um, I'm hoping we could still make a good run in the Champions League. You know, I think we can beat Leipzig in a in like neutral venue with no fans. Who knows what's going to happen? But Man United dispatched them quite convincingly, um, and and I think that we can we can do the same. Um, so, so you know, the, the Champions League is still still a hope for me, and maybe if we get fans later on in the season, who knows? Um, but I think it's it's just uh, that 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 now is the priority. We're not going to win the league. We have to try and make sure we get into the top four, um, and and then recruit recruit properly in the summer, spend some money, um, and 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 then I think we'll be in an okay position. We we need to replace the front three. Like Jota was a good signing. We should have secured um, Ismail Assar. Apparently, I saw a story this week that we had him. Uh, personal terms agreed. He was talking to Mane, his mate from Senegal, um, and they were securing accommodation and everything. And then Liverpool just couldn't make the final few quid on the thirty-five million pound deal. And I think that he'd be a really, really good. He'd be a really good player to have now, um, bringing all off the bench, even running in behind people, finishing. Like we, we need to try and secure a couple of players like that in the coming seasons to replace the front three. And who knows, maybe we can get Mbappe, I don't know. But that's not <laughs> going to happen mad. in the Champions League, is it? It seems mad that I think Liverpool's focus on the championship. Is, I think Liverpool's focus has surely got to be strength and depth. Partly the reason why they're struggling so much this season is because at the back they've almost been totally sparse in terms of uh, replacing Van Dijk. We've had really bizarre formations at the back. Henderson... Fabinho, who you wouldn't necessarily associate with, with being proper stalwarts um, at centre back position, I think I don't think I don't think the strike force is something to worry about. Liverpool midfield and, and forwards, they're well stocked. The thing is, though, in terms of names on paper, like that's true. But then, if you look at performances, we've not really conceded that many goals. Like City, we conceded a few because Allison just made two horrendous errors. But that would have been a one-one-two-one game. And then the other uh, other few games, we've only conceded like one or two goals. Um, or, or none. The issue has been scoring goals and creativity. For whatever reason, we can't make chances. We get barely any shots on target these days. Something needs to change up front. And actually, despite all the injuries, our defensive record isn't isn't that bad. Um, I would, no, I would disagree, actually. If you look at the table, you've scored 44 goals thus far. 
which is only second to, to Man United. Not even Man City at the top have scored 44 goals or more. It's at the back. You've conceded 29 goals in, in 23 games, which is a bit disappointing for Liverpool considering last season. But Man City are only at the top because they've got such a strong defence. They've conceded 14 goals in 22 games. It's not the strike yeah, force. It's, it's not the strike force to worry about. You're you're scoring enough goals, and you've got good enough players going forward. I think Thiago in the summer was a fantastic signing, and it helps to revolutionise that midfield as as Henderson gets a bit older. But um, at the back, I've seen some really bizarre um, partner, partner partnerings. At oh, the back. I agree. I'd like to see. I'd like to see like Phillips and and Kabak in defence because I think Phillips has played okay when he's been on the pitch. Honestly, he's made some he made some great tackles. Um, against Spurs on Hongmin Son in the box one-on-one, like two or three quality clang, beautifully timed tackles. So I think he can play, honestly. And his dad was a good player as well. Um, and I think we should play him at the back with Henderson, with um, Kabak. Hopefully Kabak's gotten used to the system. And then we could put Henderson in midfield with Wijnaldum and Thiago. And I think that's a good team. OK, I've got a question for you. Do you think uh, Trent has lost his mojo now that Van Dijk's gone? Because he's looked really, he was really poor against Man City. And across the whole I think season, Klopp's played him. Klopp's played him poorly. Klopp's not given him the requisite uh, rests. Um, he's not. He's obviously changed something in his coaching or, or whatever. Because Trump looks like avoiding <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> stuff. I was watching the trial. <laughs> looks like um, is lacking in lacking in confidence. And whether it's because we're playing a less direct style, so he's getting the ball less because we've got Thiago in midfield, or whether it's because um, he had COVID. Or whether it's because the whole team's doing badly and he's upset about that, I don't know. But he Klopp's man management of Trent, I think, has been poor this season. I think Klopp's not got enough scrutiny, scrutiny personally for a lot of his tactical decisions. So, like Greg said, in terms of defensive partnerships, bizarre substitutions, taking off Curtis Jones or not playing him, and he's been one of Liverpool's best players this season. Taking him off against Man City was mental when he'd been running through that 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 Man City team, um, and he just took him off and never understood why. Um, so, so I think some Klopp has some responsibility in how he's managed Trent and a few other players as well. You're right. So yeah, Leicester Liverpool massive game uh, in terms of the top four race. Um, if Leicester don't lose, Chelsea have the chance to overtake Liverpool into the top four on Monday night, uh, playing Newcastle at home. To be honest, I'm quite confident about this one. I mean, Newcastle is dour in in all senses of the word, and I think that we should uh, comfortably win this game. Um, you know, we've had a great start on the Tuchel, and hopefully this continues. Also on Saturday evening, Man City play Spurs. Um, I guess this would be a sort of big game, but the way both sides are playing, it sort of leans towards a home win, a convincing home win. I really can't see Spurs um, took anything here at the Etihad. I think uh, Greg, uh, back, they have a chance. Um, is he back? Oh yeah, he was back, wasn't he? But I feel like yeah. I feel like he was rushed back uh, midweek against Everton. I don't think he did. he looked fine against Everton. He scored, um, and I, I think he'll be. I think he'll play. And I think with, with Son and Kane going up against that defence, which is good, but which is still, you know, um, played well in the, definitely last, but well in the last 10 games, um, I think they can still be targeted in some way. If you have Harry Kane running at John Stones, despite, you know, Stones' renaissance, I think, I don't think City fans will fancy that. So I think hopefully it's quite a close game and hopefully Spurs can get something from that game. I'm just going to check. Diaz is like... There's a slight question mark over him whether he'd be able to make the game. Um, he's been a revelation at the back with Man City, um, as we all know. Uh, I think if he's playing, then you know Spurs won't, won't be able to offer anything. I love how today in a press conference, um, Rooney just completely savaged Bale, um, saying 
saying that basically a post that Gareth Bale had made on Instagram where he said that he'd had a good training effort was like completely wrong. Uh, he said it was, like a, it was a contradiction. Um, and I, I think it's a savage Mourinho. Um, Bale's been a, a massive flop this season. Uh, I don't think any of us really expected him to sort of hit the ground running and be like a revelation for Spurs. But, you know, he's just been a terrible transfer, one of the worst signings of the season. I mean, he hasn't um, played football in so long properly. What do you expect? Like, he, he was barely... He's not, showing, he's not showing anything on the pitch at all. Yeah. He's not well, showing he's application. He's a footballer for the last two years. He was being paid to do nothing at Madrid, like literally nothing. So it doesn't surprise me he's not at Premier League level. I mean, he might be an extraordinary, like naturally talented, gifted athlete, but, you know, you have to be in a good physical condition and match fitness is really important and he's just not had very much of it. Um, and also, you know, he's I think it speaks. Yeah, I think it speaks a lot for his attitude. He's He ended up rubbing up Zidane the wrong way. Done the same with Mourinho. Yes, fair enough. They're managers who don't stand um, stand players, you know, messing around. They they want, really want the best out of their players because um, their teams are geared for excellence. Their philosophy is excellence. But at the same time, um, I think the Gareth Bale transfer back to Tottenham was really just a sentimental one. He yeah. was on the market. He was he was relatively cheap um, at the time. Well, only wages to pay really. And I don't think I think the fans would have wanted him back. But I think given a choice. Um, there are better options out there. I think um, I think for Gareth Bale going forward, he just ought to get his PGA Tour license, <laughs> go onto the golf course, and hopefully can compete at the Masters in a couple of years' time. I'd like, like to see that Greg Leckie in 2016, knocking those knocking those balls down the fairway, 400 yards, clanging. <laughs> I tell you what, it's weird how how really good players like Gareth Bale also can apply themselves to golf. I mean, that go that shows wonders for his his professional attitude and his uh, athleticism. But um, yeah, I think towards the end of the tail end of his football career, it marks the perfect transition into golf. He's got another 10, 15 years worth. He can carry on for that length of time in golf. And then after that, he can switch into darts or snooker and, you know, hopefully make his entire career as a professional <laughs> athlete. Of some sort. Cool. Um, yeah, plenty of other games this weekend, but we'll talk about them um, in the next pod. I'll leave you with the breaking news from RMC, which is like a very reputable, I think, tier one um, for French news, which is that Brian Munich has had to pay the release calls of Dio Upo Meccano um, very shortly and that he'll be going to Bayern in the summer. So that's shame. that's big news there. Um, it's a shame for Liverpool, it's a shame for United and a shame for Chelsea. But yeah, that's Fabrizio the way it is. I still tweeted that we were in the running. And now yeah, I expect, I expect to sort of tap in from Fabrizio Romano in the next... A uh, couple of hours as he wants to do. But yeah, that's it for today. Um, we'll go. We'll come back on Monday to discuss the weekend's action. Greg, Ash, lovely to speak to you as always. Thank you. Um, thank yeah. you.